That's such a fun little noise. Okay, okay, there we go. Makes me, See, want, it makes me want to dance to the ring. Oh, the, the little ringtone thing, yes. yes. You're listening to Just One of Them There Guys, where we're completely fine with the comics going completely off the rails. He's pounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US1 podcast. Brought to you this time by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Hey everyone, my name is Sean Ingle, and in our mission to cover all 12 issues of the US1 comic book, today we're going to be looking at issues number 5 and 6, wherein US meets with an alien and some bikers. Yeah, it's going off the rails folks it's it's not bad but it's definitely out there but to help me along on this quest to read the finest book about a trucker with a metal plate in his head that receives sea beak signals i've got my very good friend mr jay ferguson along to help me along the way how's it going jay all right are you it's good to have friends and it's good to read Comics about truckers, I think. <laughs> uh, that that it remains to be seen, sir. We will have to see how this goes because these uh, couple issues are starting to get wacky, and there's some there's some changes in here. Uh, basically, uh, I think they finally mentioned that US One probably won't go for a full full run. They've started naming it a maxi series, so I think uh, Marvel kind of realized that the bloom was off the rose, so to say. I think I think they mentioned that beforehand. It was just, um, but it was like in the letters column for issue. Like I think it was an issue. It might have been an issue. I don't know, three, three or something. I think. Okay. Well, but, they, but 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 I, I did kind of get the feeling though that where you know they were saying, oh, it's a maxi series when it was like, we're not, we're just gonna get twelve issues out of this. But uh, we're going to take a look at the two issues here after we take this Demonzacore sponsored break and we plug a few promos for a couple other podcasts. But right after that, we will get into our coverage of US 1, number 5. Do 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 do. Demonzacore. Okay, Bill, are we ready? Sure, Paul. Oh, wait. Be right back. I need my Avengers Omnibus. Uh, where did I put that thing? While Bill looks for that, let me tell you about our new endeavor. Two True Freaks has grown, and Back to the Bins is growing with it. I, Paul Spataro, along with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner... Just say his name three times in an email, and he'll appear in your show. Hey, how's it going? Ah! Sorry, sorry. I forgot I had a Scott Gardner life model decoy in here. Be right there. Ow! Ow! Put Cap's shield there. (laughs) Anyway, we're looking to showcase various characters, storylines, issues, or whatever strikes our fancy from the world of the Avengers. Hey, Ben, move that funny-looking hammer, would you? It's it's on that book, and I can't move it. Sure thing, Dad. Where do you want it? Uh, over there somewhere. No! no! Watch out for the repulsor! Ow! Ah! Oh! Ah! 
Don't tell your mother. We like to call it Avengers Spotlight. I thought it was going to be called Old Avengers Never Die. They just get reassembled and sent to another Earth. What? Too wordy? Who knows what we'll cover and who might stop by. So join us for the Avengers Spotlight, where we'll look at Earth's greatest heroes and some of comics' greatest stories, such as the Korvac Saga, Acts of Vengeance, the Kree Skrull War, and, oh, for the love of Christ, who the hell put the Celestial Madonna Saga on this list? Huh. I found a use for that life model decoy after all. Okay, found it. We ready? Hey, wait a minute. This is the Book of the Vashanti. Forget it. See you soon, everybody. My favorite Avengers are D-Man and Green Lantern. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. The Vietnam War, a conflict that changed America. Of those who served, many came back irrevocably changed, while many did not come back at all. This is their story. Marvel Comics presents The Nom. Join me, Tom Panneries, for In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics series, The Nom. Each episode, I will recap and review one issue of the series, as well as provide historical context that's important to understanding the events behind the story. Along the way, I will also take a look at the movies, music, and literature surrounding the Vietnam War. New episodes are posted every two weeks at incountry.podomatic.com. Com. You can find show notes and other media at popcultureaffidavit.com. And we are back. So, uh, actually, we have an email. Yes, we have an email. Uh, it's uh, oddly enough, it's an email that was sent to uh, the sister show of just one of them, their guys, just one of the guys, which I guess is about Green Lantern or something. I don't know. Never I don't know. Well, it. well, yeah, it's terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible show. And the host of it is a horrible, horrible person. <sighs> the worst. Uh, but um, not the, as not as bad as me, but pretty bad. Well, I mean. well, I I I think you you're too harsh on yourself, Jay. That guy is is a complete tool. But the uh, letter actually comes from uh, this person called Scott Davis. And he writes in saying, Hi, Oh, Sean. that guy. Yeah. That scared guy. me. He's Canadian. Did you know that? I did know that. He's, awesome. know, it scared me. Cause I was, I was, Oh wait, I, sorry. I didn't listen to the type of thing, but actually, even though I totally never listened to that other podcast, I was, I, I, I happened to be listening to it and I heard one of his emails about the, uh, you know, putting the dead mouse in the bottle and, or you were talking about, I don't remember, but, but I was walking down to the library as I was listening to that. And I actually did see a, uh, uh, roadkill mouse that had been flung onto the sidewalk and I uh, was very upset because it was gross. Uh, Scott says, I started listening to your Just One of Them There Guys episode on April 1st, covering US 1 and number 2, and it was hilarious, so I stopped it and went out and fought, bought, found these issues for 90 cents each. Ah, that's not a bad deal. Pretty good. 
Uh, he says, I read both issues and they were excellent. Someone thinks that. Uh, to cover to cover number one was priceless. Jay Ferguson's comment about the bloody bandage from the surgery around his head all the time was great. And the scene with Papa Wheelie in the middle of the road in the storm was so ridiculous, it was actually a brilliant part of the story. Okay, I, I, hmm. I don't know what to say. I, you know, the I definitely band- wouldn't use the word brilliant. Well... I'm not saying I'm not it thinking. could have been a lot worse. I will say that, but uh, a brilliant. I'm not sure if that's uh, well. I, would say, I mean, the series, the series itself may have brilliant moments. I don't think Papa Wheelie just standing there for no reason at all was was one of them. No. Uh, Scott continues on. I agree with you. I think the brother is definitely still alive and will probably make an appearance later in the series. We're still looking forward to seeing if the brother is there. We haven't come across him yet, or have we? Ah, uh, that's true. I Maybe love... he's really the old man and not the highwayman. It was, it was, it was all trick. Could be. He continues, I loved Wide Load Annie's comment that there's nothing better for a cracked skull than green vegetables. Awesome. The splash page on issue two on pages two and three was hilarious. Oh, that was the one with the uh, ridiculous amount of fighting in the bar, I think, if I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was very good. Um, you guys cracked me up with the comment about the bottle of ketchup being punched off the guy's groin, but if you look on page two, you actually see a dude launch it from the other side of the cafeteria. Ouch. Wow. That oh, that, hit that's, that's even worse. Uh, you can do a white load Annie looks stunning in the Princess Leah with the Princess Leah buns in her hair, but her aim is terrible at throwing plates around at people. Well, maybe the buns, you know, knock off her center of gravity or something. Who knows? As we as we see in this one, she's a or in this episode, she is much better with uh, uh, melee weapons. Yes. Uh, best part of this issue is trying to figure out if Midnight is either redheaded Terran or blonde haired Mary. Personally, I think it's Terran. I think you can rule out Mary because if you notice on page two, there is a guy running into the ladies' room saying, "I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter." And then on page ten, you see Mary coming out of the ladies' room, putting on her Miss America crown back on her head which suggests the two of them were knocking boots while the fight was happening. Wow. I guess I guess you could no-prize that. I guess you could use that as a example of why it might not be Mary as Midnight. Um, still, again, we haven't had any definite confirmation who Midnight is, and uh, I guess we'll just have to wait until we get to the end of the series to figure out. Maybe it'll be answered then. Uh, let's say he continues on. He says, "Also, Terran kisses U.S. on page eleven, and Midnight kisses U.S. on page twenty. So I think this is the same person. He he builds a good case, you know. I, I you know, they're having. A, if it is one of the characters who's already in the book, who's a Midnight, uh, it makes sense, I guess, that it would be Terran doing that. Uh, and Terran, we see, also has a uh, pretty hefty grudge against U.S. as we'll get to in this issue. Yeah, I guess. I don't know." I just like I just like Terran way, way, way better, so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep pulling for Mary to okay. be it, just because uh, I'll 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 be the uh, uh, dissenting voice on that. Not a problem. He finishes up saying, "I don't think too many girls would have a crush on a truck driver with a bloody sweatband around his metal plate head. You never know." Well, apparently there are at least two. That's true. Uh, these are two great issues, and I'm hoping that you put out a few more to continue the series. Done and done. Now I need to find issues three and four somewhere in time for your next episode. From the city of Canucks, Scott. 
Well, thanks, Scott. I appreciate you writing in and uh, sending in a email about this. It's always good to hear from us. If you uh, want to send an email about uh, the Just One of Them, Their Guys show or about US One in general or you know who you think Midnight will actually turn out to be, uh, go ahead and write us an email and send it to my sister site, which is Just One of the Guys podcast at gmail.com. But uh, unfortunately, that does it for emails right now. With all that, I'm going to head right in, I guess, into my coverage of US-1 number 5. Ready for this? Oh, yeah. All right. US-1 number, I'm sorry, US one number 5 was cover dated September 1983 and released on May 31st, 1983. I'd like to put in it, Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics gave us that information. The cover price was $1.60 US. The semi-literate script was by Al Milgram. The semi-passable penciling was by Frank Springer. Semi-indelible inking was by Mike Esposito. Semi-competent coloring was by Christine Scheel. Semi-legible lettering was by Michael Higgins. Semi-efficient editing was by Ralph Baccio. And Jim Shooter was the tractor trailer. Okay. Our story opens with a look at how the Teutonic twat Baron von Blimp fared the storm that threw, that he flew through last issue. Then it's off to excitement as we witness our hero, U.S. Archer, and his really get the munchies sidekick retread keep their word and deliver the chickens to the Foghorn Leghorn slash Colonel Sanders hybrid. After finding out that the race was legitimate, U.S. and retread find out that they also lost. Wondering who could have beaten them since only the Baron and they were part of the race, the colonel explains that an unexpected entrant delivered the chickens first, and the winner of the race was none other than Terran O'Connell, that dirty, dirty ginger. Wow. Claiming her superiority over the filthy males like U.S., Terran threatens to pummel our hero for suggesting that she cheated. But rather than allow the two truckers to get into a brawl, the colonel suggests a different solution. Another race, this time to deliver the chicken parts to the distributor. The two agree to the challenge, and after some massive off-panel slaughtering of chickens, the two are off down the highway. But Taryn is having some unexplained problems with her truck. As she checks under the hood, she sees that someone has sabotaged. I don't say sabotage. You say sabotage. I say sabotage. The rig by disconnecting the distributor wires. Fuming about the sabotage. Sabotage. Presumably by U.S., Taryn fires up the 18-wheeler and heads on down the highway. Meanwhile, U.S. and Retread are wondering why they haven't seen Taryn in the rear view mirrors as they discuss guy things and stuff. Then the conversation is interrupted by U.S. noticing a detour sign, which leads into a traffic-free stretch of unpaved road. It's at this time that Taryn radios up the driving duo, asking them how they like the detour that she set up for them. And as soon as she signs off, U.S. 1 is assaulted by boulders, downed power lines, icebergs, earthquakes, and hail. Certain that Taryn couldn't pull this off by herself, U.S. uses the tech in his truck to tap into an orbiting weather satellite, which shows them the detour ahead has been turned into a giant maze, with various natural disasters at each turn. Utilizing flamethrowers, cannons, and smoke screens, U.S. pilots through the labyrinth until he comes across the being responsible for this conundrum a green tentacled alien that learned how to speak English from listing CV transmissions. With Retread knocked out during the commotion, unfortunately not killed, U.S. helps the alien repair his ship with parts of the chickens that he was shipping for the colonel. 
grateful for the assist, the alien tractor beams the rig to the finish line, allowing U.S. and Retread to win the race. Moments later, as Terran arrives and accuses, accuses U.S. of sabotaging, Spock sabotaged the system. Her rig, Retread sheepishly admits he did it without U.S.'s knowledge. Terran forgives the lying hippie, but still wonders how U.S. was able to get ahead of her. Retread relates the tale of alien abduction and use of chicken parts as the exasperated Terran wonders where she can get some of the stuff that he's been smoking. The end. And there you go. US 1, number 5. It's... It's kind of gone off the rails here. I think I think the book hit you know kind of the just we don't give a shit anymore point and has just realized that we need to make this as off the wall and fun as possible and for me I'm getting I'm likening this to sort of a mystery science theater type thing again I know we've mentioned that before in the show but I think that they realize that this isn't supposed to be you know the Fantastic Four or Daredevil this isn't written by you know this isn't a, a steve Englehart. this isn't steve gerber this isn't big name writers this is goofy fun and i think they're oh i don't know if you read some of the, the gerber run on the defenders okay, i mean wow well, i mean come on like they're i mean like the headmen alone that's okay well granted. almost as weird as this whole book i mean huh. like they're pretty i mean okay that's okay maybe pushing it a little bit but you know still I was thinking, I was thinking more of the the man thing type stuff and the sort of uh, darker stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, Gerber can when he does his Howard the Duck stuff. Yeah, that's not taken seriously either. But yeah, this was this was fun with just a bizarre addition of an alien at the the middle part of it. I don't know. I'm still I'm still really liking it. In fact, I think that there's a there's a I'll I'll, I'll get to it when we get there. But I think there's a um, in in notes and stuff. But I but there is a I think there's a letter in the in the letters column that I think pretty much sums up my feelings about this. Which I, I will I think I may I may read it. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, if we want to go ahead and with notes, uh, we'll start off with the cover here. It's not the best cover. Uh, I think we've had much better so far. You know, we've got the sort of blue look of uh, U.S. behind the wheel of his rig. And in front of him is this just weird, you know, maze of, well, it's it's a giant maze with various, you know, natural disasters going on in it. And I think the thing that, that detracts from the uh, quality of it isn't so much the artwork, because Michael Golden's artwork I, is, is always really quality stuff. But I think it's the coloring. The coloring is just sort of that bland, sort of dark shades of purple and blue that just really doesn't jump out at you. The It it doesn't pop. And I think they, you know, the little title that they've got at the bottom, you know, doesn't really entice you into reading it all that much either, sadly. Mm-hmm. If you want to move into the beginning of the book, uh, we've got page one. And at least, you know, we get a little continuity in here where we're dealing with the Baron and, uh, what happened with him so we know that the baron wasn't wasn't killed in the uh storm that u.s knocked him into from last issue so there you go i guess that's a good thing it's, yeah it's kind of the uh um to use uh mike and jeffrey from uh from christ crisis is a term of uh 
Yeah, all, all subplots accounted for, even though I guess it's really only one subplot. I think it's probably just like, oh, here, we're just going to give you a page to tell you about other stuff that's happening mm-hmm. that we're going to pick up on later. Yeah, and uh, I'm assuming we'll probably see the Baron back throughout the uh, story. But it is kind of nice that they do have a bit of continuity here in you know, carrying on with the whole tale of U.S. having to deliver these chickens. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. They they were just, I mean, they sort of weaved this story in around like this. I mean, it, it's such a silly a silly thing of like de- delivering chicken stuff, but also that's kind of that I think is a little bit also real in in a sense. Maybe not that they're you know always going on a big, uh, you know, it's always like this big contest or whatever. But um, you know, well, the fact that they you, you, as a trucker, you you have to carry boring stuff all the time so it's not super weird i guess no that's true it's it's nice that they're kind of that they are even though the goofiness of the race between a blimp and a truck was paramount in the last issue they're at least following it up and showing what happened after that so i i i applaud them for at least keeping a level of continuity in the book i don't have anything on page two except obviously the horrible pun that uh, leads us into the title from from uh, mm-hmm. Retread going, you know, U.S., every time I rise with you, I find myself getting more and more title amazed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Retread, uh, he can die in a fire. <laughs> he almost did last time. I was oh. hoping he would. Um, yeah, well, he he gets knocked out in this one, and you know, I was hoping blunt force trauma might have taken care of him, but unfortunately, it doesn't mm-hmm. either. This is a really nice looking splash page, though. I think I would have to kind of go with. I mean, I think something that you've said a lot about the, I guess, sort of the art of the splash of the splash page that you know that um, sometimes I mean, some sometimes they don't seem like they're being used for any purpose. And this, it's definitely, I think true in here because really all that happens is sort of, it sort of establishes the inside of the truck. And that's maybe that's about the best you can say for it. It's just them sitting there, retreads eating a sandwich and holding a, I don't know if it's a beer or soda or something, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's very, um, very boring and not, um, I don't think it, adds to the story or um deserves as much space as they're giving it yeah it is it is a very mundane thing of just them driving which uh, i agree if you're going to have a full page splash you need to have some sort of action going on it and the most action that's really going on this page is us1 is shifting gears and retread is eating a sandwich that's that's not galactus coming down and threatening to wipe out the planet yeah i mean he's not even he's not even eating it he's just like talking and holding it in his hand i yeah. mean that's that's how little is going on in that yeah. page but we'll see. Right. uh moving on to page three and again these uh, pages aren't numbered but it's the page after that um mm-hmm. i do like the fact that when the colonel who is a ridiculous character in his own right and has a ridiculous suit in his own right he's got a checkerboarded suit I am glad that they actually drew in the checkerboards and drew them to look different because I was covering on that other podcast, you know, the one that no one listens to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an episode where they're dealing with the checkered gang, which was a gang of criminals who had mm-hmm. like checkered suits as well. And in that issue, it looks like 
they just probably drew a blank suit or a white suit and used digital coloring to just fill it. So mm-hmm. the checkerboarding all looked even throughout, even though these people's arms were at different angles and all this. On this page, I like the fact that, you know, you can tell that the checkerboards are drawn in. And, you know, when his arm is uh, back, it doesn't match with the uh, flow of his pants or with his uh, jacket or anything. So I'll give them credit for taking a little time out to actually draw here rather than just hit the fill button with paint. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the problem, of course, with, at this time would have been I don't think that that was uh, – within the bounds of technology to do to do it well Mm -hmm. i I think you can certainly argue that in the 90s it wasn't either but um oh uh, yeah still uh they were you know yeah well i I, I don't think they really had the option to go with the easy way out on that well and then you know credit to them for drawing a ridiculous outfit like this and at least doing it so it looks like the costume isn't just one blank checkerboard pattern that they drew on. They drew it on the, they drew it differently for the angles for the arms and the angles for the legs and everything. So I'm giving them credit for what essentially is just a really, really horrible suit. Yeah. But I think it's, I mean, it's nice that, you know, not everybody dresses well and, you know, and not everybody dresses in spandex costumes either. So, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's one of the nice things about this book. I think that is, you know, uh, yes, it's done in other places, but like, you know, everybody's wearing regular clothes. Everyone's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's down to earth and real in a way that, um, because of who the characters are, a lot of, uh, comics set in a superhero universe just can't be, which is, is, is a nice counterpoint to the crazy banana pants stuff that is going on constantly yeah that's true and i think i think it works well with the aesthetic of the book as if it wanting to be a very down-to-earth blue-collar type book and you know personify those those type of people uh for better for worse sometimes for better with us and sometimes for worse with people like retread and papa wheelie but Mm -hmm. uh moving on to the next page um I've got to say, Terran's really got some problems with emotions because in that, in in between the third and fourth panel, she goes from smiling and all happy and everything to just basically wanting to beat the living crap out of U.S. for for uh, for the possibility of him thinking that she cheated in some way. It, it, it's just a really weird emotional shift, and I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, she definitely is. She's sending off a little bit of crazy vibes. I will definitely say that. I mean, yeah, especially, you know, like I said, in that one panel, it's all happy smiliness. And the next panel, it's wanting to just knee him in the groin. So, eh. you know, she she does. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, I'm not saying that it is, you know, any sort of problems. Mm-hmm. But uh, I kind yeah. of I kind of sympathize with her in some ways, though, because you kind of get the, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, having never been a lady trucker in the 80s or a lady trucker at any time. But I think it's probably, you know, she probably gets a lot of crap constantly for being a woman doing this job and people telling her that she can't do it and that, you know, she's, you know, not a real, you know, uh, 
I could not a re- a real trucker because she's not a man, and I can uh, see how that might you know make you mad. <laughs> well, and I I can agree with that, but I also think you know she does sadly tend to bring that on herself as well as she does. Uh, I think, and I think they both sort of play off each other. The fact that there are probably a lot of male truckers, and that this is a job that's dominated by male truckers, that denigrate her, causes her to overreact in certain mm-hmm. situations like this. Especially yeah. moving on to the next page, where she's ready to pound U.S. just for the possible accusation of cheating. So. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I was, yes, she is definitely overreacting, but I think that's also probably based on skills and coping habits that she's, you know, developed being a trucker all this time. And, you know, even if they're not really necessarily healthy or um, good habits, I think. Yeah. Also on this page, uh, I thought it was kind of, kind of disturbing but kind of subtle that in one panel where all the uh uh the the people were loading the boxes Uh onto the truck i think i know what you're talking about that there was sort of a a off-panel mass slaughter of all of these chickens oh okay that's not what i thought you're talking about okay no no yeah yeah Uh, it just kind of disturbed me that uh you know that they they realized that they had to uh get the chickens into parts and I guess here you're seeing, uh, you know, thankfully they skipped over the uh, chicken abattoir, which is, I, I think, guess. kind of a nice thing. I I, I was sort of thinking, uh, hoping to myself that it was just sort of that um, they forgot. I mean, that, that um, you know, that was just stuff that they'd had ready, like they were going to have somebody ship it off later in the day or something. Though I guess that would also then... If if I was right about that, then I guess it would probably be that, oh, they're just going to slaughter all the chickens that they brought in after they leave for the person who was going to bring it anyway. So I guess, uh-huh. um, yeah, so probably they're, yeah, still mass chicken slaughter. Though actually what I was going to comment on on that panel is, yeah, there's a re- really, really obvious, t- to me, I guess, foreshadowing on the, um, that Retread is the one who did, did the sabotage. Sabotage. That he's like, yeah. Um, excuse me, I'm going to take a little walk before we hit the road again, uh, which obviously is when he went in and did that. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was, there's, there's, there's an even bigger one later that you're like, oh, obviously he did it, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's not subtle at all, which is kind of disappointing if they could have made it a little bit subtler and if they could have just removed retread from the book, I think that would have been a good thing anyway. But yeah, that's which I think is, I mean, even though I like this issue, I think that's, um, since he kind of is next issue, I think that's why I like that one better. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I really didn't have anything on the next page where, uh, Taryn found the sabotage sabotage in her truck and got all peeved about it. Uh, my next note is on, I guess my next note's on the page where they find where U.S. finds the detour. Uh, oh, I will um, say I, I did like I'm on the the actually the next page where um, that um, where where she said um, Terrence says you male chauvinist pig take your male chauvinist rig and get out of here, which I thought was <laughs> I mean it's dumb but I enjoyed it. Well, it's a nice pun and it's a nice sort of slam on 
who U.S. is and who, uh, well, maybe not who U.S. is because I don't see U.S. as really chauvinistic. It's more. I don't. Yeah, I don't either. No. It's it's more retread and you know the supporting characters. I think U.S. is a, is at heart, uh, you know, at heart is a a stereotypical Marvel hero, but. Um, yeah, I don't think yeah. he really. He, I mean, I don't think he really thinks any of the things that Taron is putting on him. Uh, he's just sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth, or sometimes you know, he just he just you know does that thing that you know sometimes uh, certain men do, where they say things without thinking about them and say things that they don't, that women uh, especially can interpret in ways that they don't mean mm-hmm. at all. Being being married and having two girls around the house i fall into that trap far too often i definitely know about that you say the wrong thing at the wrong time even if it's innocuous and not meaning anything sometimes it can get you into trouble Mm -hmm. um all i've got to say is after the the detour Mm -hmm. uh the page where the boulder's coming down on the rig you know i could maybe see taryn setting up the detour and Having something like that happen, I mean, it's kind of implausible, but I could see that. But then after all the crazy things start happening, I'm just like, no, Taryn wasn't responsible for any of this. So, Oh, it's absolutely, I mean, I think it's it's absolutely clear. I mean, even if, um, you know, if you want to say that she is Midnight, um, uh it still seems like that's like a, a split personality or something that, or some sort of just, you know, some sort of psychotic break when she, be, when she would become that, I guess, because I mean, she, yeah, she's can be violent and mean, but uh, she's not going to set up traps like these that really seriously could kill them. No, no trouble if they weren't as if us was not as good a driver as he is i could see, i could see her doing something to make him get off the road or get out of the uh out of the way so she'd be able to pass him or anything but i really can't see her trying to do all these death traps especially things that you know require weather manipulation mm-hmm. i mean i think that's even... yeah that, well that's i mean and and like uh like giant volcanoes appearing out of exactly nowhere. Like that's that's I mean, I think that's probably um, again, even if she is a supervillain, which, again, I don't think so. Uh, uh, I don't think a hypno whip can uh, do that. <laughs> I, I don't believe that's within its powers. One thing I noticed on the uh, page that he first encounters the iceberg or whatever it is uh, in that fourth panel, uh, he says, and this must be just just me nitpicking. He says that. It's hailing on them, and mm-hmm. they misspell and misspell. Good lord, I just channel honey boo boo. <clears throat> then misspell hail twice. You know, it's H A L E instead of H A I L. Mm-hmm. And I don't and know I whether that's it's a it's again. I think it's a couple other times there in the book, and it drove me crazy. Because, exactly because you know, you know hail. Especially since it's my fa- it's my favorite weather pattern, and I'm like <laughs> I'm very I'm very sensitive about people misspelling it. It's well, it's annoying. <laughs> maybe they were thinking that uh, the actual Alan Hale Jr. was falling on them from uh, Gilligan's Island. And if that was happening, that would be pretty horrific as well. Hey, Skipper! Hey, Skipper! Yeah. Or maybe like Nathan Hale, like coming through a time portal from the oh, Revolutionary War. That would Who be knows? 
that would be as frightening as well. Yeah. Then after that, you know, just more terrible things, including volcanoes and everything happen to them. Uh, and we get to the page where we get the sort of three quarters splash of what's going on as us taps into the weather satellite, which is, which is a thing that I could imagine, you know, him hooking up to his, to his big rig. Mm -hmm. But this is, this is a, this is a goddamn ridiculous splash or three quarters splash here with the, the maze set up with the iceberg, a tornado. It looks like a flood lightning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a volcano. No, actually there actually there's there's two volcanoes. There's one there's one in the foreground and there's mm -hmm. one in the background that's oh, in yeah. between the uh the thunderstorm and the tornado. Wow, but, you know, yeah. Was, yeah, again I don't know if Taryn has this kind of power to do this, which I'm not thinking she does. Th this is just completely bizarre and out there, so the fact that U.S. is able to make through all this is just mind-boggling. Yeah. But of course, I mean, he does. He does actually. I mean, I think he do, he does actually say like on the page, page like like after there's like the power line that falls on him or whatever, and he's like, you know, that he. I mean, he even says like it's pretty safe to assume that that Taryn is not behind this. Mm -hmm. Though they are still wondering if it's like the high woman or something. Because, yeah, because you know it's which is is a fair a fair uh, thing because. Basically, everything that has happened so far has been because of the highwaymen, so it mm -hmm. would make sense. Well, and you kind of have to think that the highwayman might be capable of doing this stuff if he actually did sell his soul to the devil. So there you oh, go. Oh, yeah. But I, I will say, though, over that, that uh, two-third two splash or whatever, um, that it is – um, I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to the cover, and even if – I like Michael Golden better than I do Frank Springer. I think, honestly, the way that it's it's uh, the whole image of them going through the maze, I think, is is far better handled. Even if you know it, it's got a more maybe a more interesting angle on the cover. Mm -hmm. I, I think just in general, I think it's, it's the one inside is a little bit more compelling. Well, this one looks a bit more realistic that he's actually doing it. The front cover looks kind of surreal as if it's because he's coming at it at a, a weird angle. So this yeah. looks like he's actually trying to maneuver through the maze. So. Mm -hmm. I do love, he's got a flamethrower to, to melt through the iceberg. That yeah. is, that is sweet. That is, well, really he's got some neat weaponry and then not only a flamethrower, but on the same page, he's got a coilless mini cannon. Yes. How do you get that? Because I know the engines in these rigs have got to be huge. How can you fit a cannon in there? I'm glad at least that they put in that it was recoilless because if the thing <laughs> fires yeah, on a shot, it, I mean, it's going to crush U.S. and retread mm -hmm. in, the, in the truck from the recoil. So yeah, it's yeah. nice that they put that in at least. Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe it's like the thing because I don't know. My, my dad's got a it's got one of the, the uh, Tesla electric cars and actually the whole motor setup is like in in the center of the car like and there it's is mid -engine some thing yeah and so but and i mean there's not as much stuff required since it's just basically a you know just a spinny thing that gets turned onto the gears and stuff but so then there's actually you know it, there's actually a front trunk and stuff so maybe that's what it is there's maybe the engine is like in uh like farther back or something and maybe that's you know that's that whole, they, that whole, they just used the whole space where there would be an engine for a cannon. 
maybe that's that, that's what's going on. That that would make sense. Since he since he technically built it himself, uh, you know, I would give you a no prize on that. Yeah, that works. Um, then moving on after that, we get the now. This is actually a better use of a splash page here. The page oh, where absolutely. he actually meets the alien, and we have the ship, which is a really neat design. It's it is cool. It's kind yeah. of uh, to give you an idea. It kind of reminds me of uh, the USS Defiant from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. It's got kind of that look it. to it. Um, it's it's a, kind of like a cross between that and like an old style, like just you know, fifties flying saucer or mm-hmm. something. And it's got it's got a bit. It's got, it's got a really nice like. You know, it, it, it's an homage to like old, old things, but like it is very much its own. It's not like one of those, you know, like uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space tin, tin, uh, yeah, uh, plates or whatever that kind of thing. It's, it is, it's very unique. Looking. It is definitely a, a good design, and it doesn't, it doesn't really smack of uh, Kirby because you know at this time everyone seemed to try and want to get the sort of Kirby tech in here. And it, it doesn't really have that much Kirby tech. It's very simplified. It's very sleek, but it does have a really nice design aesthetic. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. Now the alien, the alien, I don't know. It's bipedal, but it looks like it's got doc Ock tentacles basically, except they're Mm -hmm. not coming out of its back. It's coming out of its side, so he's got legs and then sort of the the tentacles for legs as well. So he could be either bipedal or quadrupedal if he wants to be. Mm-hmm. But the alien is, you know, sort of a um, muscular, I guess, green-skinned, oddly mm-hmm. enough, alien. And once we get a look at him up close, you know, he's got the giant insectoid eyes and the... I don't know what you'd call that mouth. It, it looks like of... it looks almost like seaweed. It kind of reminds me, I guess, maybe of like um, some of those, uh, like I don't know. There's some animals that have like feelers that come out of their face. That kind of <laughs> like that are like I mean like oh, there's like kind of mole that has like a little thing on its nose and stuff that comes out. Yeah, it does. And there's like that. some things that live in the in the ocean, like that. I guess kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And he's got he's got kind of like a like he's like inside of like a kind of um, suit thing that's sort of sort of I mean that, that sort of covers up some of him I think I think yeah. that's what it's meant to be that he's uh, he's it's some sort of armor or something I'd buy that but he's he's a unique design unfortunately he got all of his lingo from listening to CD <laughs> radio uh, see. I can kind of suspend disbelief, you know, him learning English from listening to CB radio. But how does he learn all the little shortcuts, like the 10-4 and the 10-24? Because I know back in the days, there was just tons of that that lingo that if you didn't know what it meant, someone said, 10-4, good buddy. I got a 10-29 heading on I-35 going south. You want to make sure that I got a 10-48 going on? And mm-hmm. if you don't know all that type of stuff, you're just completely lost. So how does he, how does he know anything about that? But, uh, but maybe he, maybe he's, he's figured it out. I mean, you got one of those things where it's, um, I, I don't know how, I mean, I guess, I don't know if CB waves, you know, travel that far out, but I mean, it could just be like, um, you know, and what, uh, 
Galaxy Quest where they they um you know see the the Star Trek esque TV show and then they just base you know base their entire culture on it like maybe that's what, I mean like maybe he's just this is the only thing from an from another culture that he has has found and so he's like just studied it constantly for years and years and like internalized it in some way I don't know and maybe I mean eventually you would figure those things out I guess if if you you know kept kept digging. It's just like I guess learning learning stuff from watching television or whatever. Damn it, With, sir! You're no prizing the hell out of this book. <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't know. I mean, um, moving on again. Maybe, some... maybe just my belief is really easy to suspend. <laughs> I guess, or sorry, not my belief, my my disbelief rather. <laughs> That's true. Um, moving on. Uh, it kind of makes sense, and it's kind of a neat sci-fi aspect that. The alien needs organic material to uh, fuel or to repair his ship. So that's why he put U.S. through this whole maze thing to get the organic material of the chickens. I was just kind of wishing internally that he could have used the organic material of retread in his ship and <sighs> yeah, could have gotten yeah. rid of that character as well and helped this alien. So uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unfortunately that didn't happen. <sighs> That's the problem with us. He's just too, too tolerant of, uh, retreads nonsense. Yes. But, uh, I kind of, I kind of, I do buy that though. I mean, like, I don't know if you would do something like as elaborate as this giant maze full of death traps, that are, but I, I totally believe though that an alien would do something like that. Like, like he, ex, like he explains basically that you know, I, I put you through this just to make sure that you know, someone who's smart enough to make it through there is is uh, not going to be freaked out by me. Which mm-hmm. I mean, he's freaky looking. Like I, I can totally understand like some, you know, uh, close close minded trucker. You know, yeah, getting back in his rig and pulling out his, you know, 44 and shooting at him because he's just exactly. And and to his credit, you know, U.S. throughout the entire thing is pretty much unfazed. Mm -hmm. I mean, even by the fact that this alien speaks CB and that he needs chicken parts to fuel his ship, you know, he's completely nonplussed by it. So, uh, again, U.S. being more. Or maybe not more, but less of a you know down south stereotype than anyone else in this book. So there you go. Yeah. Moving on, we get the uh, you know after the alien took off, you know he's at least polite enough to help us out by beaming the truck to the finish line. So that's kind of yeah. cool. I do like the part right right before that though when he when he goes and says um um but he us thinks he's leaving. He's just as the the ship just goes blasting off. He's like, I, I I didn't even get your handle, which I think is is kind of like that's really like a cool mo- character moment. That's just like, oh, I really wanted to actually know this guy's name. I had started getting to like him. Uh, both, I mean, I think me as a reader, and I think you as as a character, it's feeling that, and it's like that. But then, yeah, and then then suddenly the truck is flying through the air, which mm-hmm. is kind of awesome. Yeah, that. It's it's a neat image, of course. It's hindered by the fact that you know, retreads just a complete goon and freaking out about it. Of course, he'd probably be freaking out if a butterfly landed on his finger because he's so wasted right now. But okay, whatever. 
Um, yeah, I do like the thing where he's like, you, you didn't fix it so you could fly, did you? <laughs> Which is because, like, I mean, I guess maybe maybe he is just so uh, out of his mind on whatever that he he really thinks that. Because, I mean, I think there are definitely times already before that he should have known that, you know, if, if he'd made it so it could fly, it, he would have done that before. Like when he was being bombed by a blimp, maybe. Yeah. I, I, that's just the thought. <laughs> I mean, well. really, if he could make the truck fly, he would have done it. And he would have just, you know, gone up there, used his mini cannon and blown blown away the Baron, I think. Mm-hmm. But well, Retread well. doesn't think about that because Retread, I don't know, is either um, not very bright or very, very stoned. Yeah, I will give you that. Uh, but I really don't have any notes until the the last page, which is kind of a, a nice wrap up. I mean, you get you get at least uh, the reveal as it, even though it wasn't a surprise that Retread was the one who sabotaged Terran's truck. Is this why you sabotaged my ship? Oh, it has not been sabotaged. All oh, right, I forgot about the other part. I mean, where he. There's the yeah when because yeah the, the the more obvious clue I think was where was when yeah because Taryn oh, yeah. was was on the radio talking to them and U.S. is like I didn't do that and um it's like and he's like I don't know what what's what's why she thinks I did that and then and Retread's like uh well <laughs> and then it's yes. like oh obviously he did that because mm. but uh super we get a we get a nice sort of you know. Star Trek goofy ending music of, you know, well, why don't you tell her what happened? And when he does, you know, she doesn't believe a word of it. Mm-hmm. So, eh. you know, like I said, not a uh, not a bad issue. Could have done with less retread. It was fun in a goofy kind of manner. But it's it's one of those things that... Like I like I referenced before, it's like watching Mystery Science Theater. It's one of those things you watch sheerly for the kind of off the wall goofiness of it, and you know the character of U.S. is still really enjoyable, but retread just unfortunately for me drags the story down a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have any more notes, you want to go through ads. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, most most of them are not not super uh, different from the ones that we've we've gone through before. No, in um, fact, I say I, I, I will say. I mean, yeah, they have another one of the. I mean, it's this. It's the same one that we've we've already seen of mm-hmm. the Crackerjack ads with a baseball. Which yeah. Again, I mean, like uh, we we've given we've given that them them a lot of crap over the over the past two episodes of just being stupid and not making sense. But I will, I will have to give give credit where credit is due, and I think actually the art is pretty good in in those ads, uh, especially compared to some. You know, oh like yeah, some, some of the things you've seen and like like off model Thor and things like that. Oh yes, sure. yeah. The, I mean, really it looks like terrible. It's a, at least somewhat professionally drawn. Yeah, and you know the characters, you know the characters' facial facial designs look at least different. So, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them credit there. Um. Then the a, next one, of course, is another ad for Star Frontiers, and I, I know we covered this one as well. The uh, the basically sci-fi version of Dungeons and Dragons, which is some pretty nice, pretty nice art in it. Oh wait, did we? Yeah, we've got a 
an ad for bubble gum, and thankfully it's not the creepy little kid. Oh yes, I was so glad. I mean, like this is this is actually like charming. Like yeah. it's a bunch of uh, like some two girls and two guys, and they're like just sitting there having a good time, blowing bubble gum and talking about the new pink lemonade flavor, mm-hmm. which I actually remember. I mean, I don't remember because apparently this is new at this point, and I don't remember when it came out since I actually was not alive when this comic came out. <laughs> Because I'm no, I remember. I actually remember this. But I remember. I remember eating eating those. Yeah, no, I I remember having it. Like when I was young, like we would take it on the airplanes and stuff. You know, to chew it to Mm -hmm. to uh, get your ears to pop. And like, yeah, that was. It was really, really, really a pretty good flavor. And even got like a little jumble puzzle in there, which is, um, uh, they have in it, which is always nice. So you can um, ruin your comic by Mm -hmm. doing the puzzle. (laughs) Yeah, inking it up. Uh, in the middle of the book, they've got a huge two-page ad for the Mile High Comics, and they've got uh, they pretty much got all the stuff here. I'm looking through here. I'm trying to see if they've got DC mixed in with uh, Marvel here, and I'm looking. It doesn't it, look. I don't. It see looks any like it's DC all stuff. Marvel stuff. So maybe Mile High. Maybe they just had bought the uh, two-page ad to promote their Marvel comics, but. That kind of makes some. I mean, I guess there's 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 Star Trek in there, and I don't know if what it, at this time whether the Star Trek comics were being published. I think it was by still... Marvel because I mean I think they did they started. Yeah, I mean, got... I don't think they they went back and forth from a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think this was the Marvel uh, published Star Trek comics because mm-hmm. it goes one through eighteen. I'm pretty certain on over at Two True Freaks at the early time that they only did the Marvel comics and they only did like 18 issues of it. So mm-hmm. I think this is specifically Marvel stuff. But one thing that I was... Sh- they have Shogun Warriors for uh, one, 1 to 20 for 75 cents each, which uh, I wouldn't have been interested in. But as as we were talking about before we started going, is that um, I've been listening to uh, Earth Destruction Directive and I'm really excited about those, those Shogun Warriors comics because... Luke has been talking about them. Mm-hmm. For that. And I'm, I'm probably pretty certain you could, uh, you know, if you go searching back issue bins, you could probably find them in the dollar bins. And, you know, cool. for, as, as the way that Luke's been talking about them, you know, they've been, they've been sound like really fun reads. Yeah. I was, I, I just, I've, I've never, I mean, I've never seen them in, in ones before that I can remember. Cause I, you know, I feel like that's something I would know, but maybe that's just not, maybe they just didn't have as many around here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one the one comic that I wish was what it was is the comic for Team America, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain it's not the you know Matt Stone Trey Parker Team America. I'm certain no. it's something completely different. But. It's it's um it's uh actually I think they 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 actually reference it in a letter in the next issue, but it's um uh, vaguely just saying like a comic about bikers because like it's I mean I don't know if you've read uh, the uh, early new mutant new mutant stuff but like there actually is one issue of that that does like cross over with and like i think end the story of team america but basically it's really weird thing like just where a bunch of kids go are like you know it's kind of like captain planet actually i think like where they basically you know combine to form like a super biker who you know fights crime or whatever well, you've completely thrown off my interest in the book now. I'm sorry. That's that's, okay. No, I mean it's I, as far as I know, it's pretty terrible. But I, uh, I've only I've only read the the stuff that was connected to the New Moon, so I don't know. I think it ran about as long as this this book did. But uh, I know yeah, exactly. 
moving on, we've got uh, the HodgePodge page, which has you know your typical wait on thing. I think we talked about that, and it's got the awful, awful drawing of the almost supposed to be Thor. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a weird thing here that says like um, it's like an ad, I guess, for like dating advice or something. It's just like mm-hmm. guys, girls, this girlfriend boyfriend business can be confusing, but not if you have know how. Shyness, looks, or not having a car is no excuse. <laughs> Parental interference can be avoided. So basically, you know, screw parents that they're, they're terrible. You can get a is <laughs> all your questions answered, even those that seem embarrassing or childish. Don't sit and wish. Life is short. Youth is shorter. Money back guarantee. For uh, four fifty plus one dollar postage for privacy, small plain packet or plain small package marked only Golden Institute PO Box four six two Palm Bay Florida three two nine zero five. I was uh, like, so, I don't know, maybe maybe that's something. Maybe that's what I needed when I was younger. I could have well, been, been better at that. Stuff. Are they basically promoting like? Are they promoting like you know preteen meeting up stuff? I guess well. Well, I mean, like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily say sex or anything. I mean, it could well, just it could just be could just be for for friendship and reading comics together. Yeah, or you know, just just you know, light light uh, light petting, oh, making out, you whatever. You know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's nothing creepy at all about the, <laughs> about about an institute. You know, wanting to get the names of frustrated boys and girls yeah ooh, 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 when you put it that way like that's actually yeah that is really creepy yeah i didn't well when we'll move on the the next page after that is is a pretty lackluster subscription ad page i mean there's no artwork on there mm-hmm. there's just the big you know uh big headline of spread the good news share your luck with lots of friends and you can i guess cut this page out to send in a subscription to the marvel comics you know mm-hmm and I so. think here we actually do have the clue that it was that this was not supposed to be a maxi series because they are offering a subscription to US one, which sort of implies that um, before they actually said it in in whatever issue that was earlier, that it was going to be uh, a twelve issue series that they may have actually intended it not to be. Hmm. Well, I guess you know the people who subscribed and hope to get their twelve issues, you know, from this book out were be sadly mistaken maybe they'd you know fill it in with something else maybe they'd give them a subscription to star wars or you know well, they, Conan I mean, or always, adventures you know, be good well, they'd always do that you could switch it to something though yeah sometimes that thing was not a thing that you wanted or yeah. um the next ad uh, the next page that they've got for an ad is the bullpen's bulletin page which i really like it's so awesome. It it's, is. There's really not super super much to say about it. But, no, I mean because yeah. it's it's all pretty much artwork, and it's John Byrne mm-hmm. drawing essentially a good majority of the Marvel universe. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we've got everyone here, and they all look amazing. And yeah, it's, I think it's definitely things things that he's been sort of associated with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, years. well, you can see like Alpha High, Alpha Flight, pretty much big and bold there, as well as the Fantastic Four, which I think. He was working on at the time. Mm-hmm. You've got there's the, the X Men in the corner too. Now and I the Avengers. Which... I don't think he did. He ever really work that much on Spider Man? Did he draw or, or draw or write any issues of Spider Man at the time? I don't, I don't know recall. about Spider Man, but he he did actually. I mean, um, while he was while he was doing uh, the uh, um, uh, while he while he was doing the X Men, he was 
or around that time, anyway, he was also doing uh, Marvel Team Up with Chris Claremont. That, okay. Um, so he, which is a book that stars Spider Man, even if there's you know other people and stuff. So I would, mm-hmm. yes, but, yes, he did sort of. I guess but, would be. But the this is to that. just a. This is just a magnificent page. Everyone mm-hmm. on here looks awesome, and uh, you know, for whatever you may, your feelings may be about John Byrne and some of the things that is you know controversial statements or whatever you know maybe he is a dynamic artist and this is just a great example of some of his best artwork out there it's mm-hmm. just a really good a really good showing of all the characters or mm-hmm. the majority of the characters in the marvel universe really nice and i even i think actually maybe the best part of it is is that you know in the middle is is him uh you know a self-portrait of him drawing a page on the uh on, on drawing table and that's mm-hmm. it's really cool because that actually you know and it's not like it it you know no i i i agree. And i think that's probably my favorite part of it uh, out of anything else actually i would say the thing looks kind of weird though like, yeah it's like his his his, his like brow ridge kind of like blocks out his eyes you cannot mm-hmm. see the uh titular uh blue eyed uh parts yeah. of him that he would there's a thing but I, a, I also i like the costumes i like the the white of the Fantastic Four costumes, the white neck collars of them. I like that. That's the, you know, I'm used to the entire blue designs for them, but I like this. It's yeah, no, all, that's very, I don't know if he, awesome. I don't know if he, did he start that or is that a, is that a, is I that don't a remember Kirby that thing or not. I, I, I guess don't I remember that in the, uh, Oh, in the run where George Perez was doing it. And, uh, Oh, it wasn't. And it, it, in the run before, it was was it wasn't Len Wein was it? Oh uh, well, I can't remember. I don't know Len. I think Len Wein did a little bit, and I know Roy Thomas did. Yeah, as Roy well Thomas. Before, that's what I was thinking before, of. The Roy Thomas, yeah. George Perez era. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, that's an awesome page. Search that out because everyone on here looks awesome. It and was, yeah, it was one of the best things I think that John Byrne has ever drawn, and he has drawn a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. Again, despite whatever you might think about what 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 he said or you know if yeah. if you think his work has declined in quality uh, over the years and that kind of thing yeah um the page right after that of course the top half is for the giant scam of grit and the less said about that the better well i will say it's act it's it's a new one like it's not the same like one i think that has probably been going since the golden age maybe <laughs> even that, that that i that we had been seeing in earlier issues like where it's like the uh, like that same image of like kids or whatever on the thing, but actually it's like this cartoony uh, person hawking, hawking grit with a big, uh, huge mouth and a weird scarf, and like it looks like it looks like Ziggy kind of like or like <laughs> Ziggy's kid. It's See, it's looking. kind of ironic that Ziggy's kid would be the talkative one, with Ziggy being you know mm-hmm. essentially mute. Yeah. Uh, the the other half of this splash page or of this page is for the Creation Comic Book Convention, which has got mm-hmm. some shows in Kansas City, which has uh, I guess Bob Wyacek, uh, Dave Cockrum, and Archie Goodwin. Uh, got Marv Wolfen and Steve Lealoa in uh, Anaheim. Boston has Dave Cockrum and Ron Wilson and Mark Leonard of Star Trek. Uh, I've never heard of Mark Leonard uh, at all. I Mark Leonard, he was the one who played the original Sarek in Star Trek, and I think he also oh. played. Uh, if you remember the episode Balance of Terror, where the uh, the Enterprise first uh, met the Romulans, 
and they had mm. that uh, fight with the uh, cloaked Romulan bird of prey, or mm-hmm. no, the cloaked Romulan warbird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Leonard also played the Romulan commander there, but he's probably best known for playing Spock's father in in mm-hmm. the show and in uh, subsequent movies. Oh, that makes sense. Is it Ron Wilson? I'm mean, like he's. I think he's another guy that doesn't. You know, you don't hear a lot about him, but he's he's done a lot of stuff. Mm. And so. then Orlando's got. Uh, Let's see, Bob Layton, Wyatt and Steve Lealoa again. And it's uh, got it's a little got... like Burn Hulk, I think, down mm-hmm. there that's holding up this, the sign, which is kind of cool. Yep. Um, I didn't really read any of the uh, – I can't remember whether the behind the wheel, which I guess the uh, letters page finally got a name. I can't remember whether this is where I saw that it was going to become a maxi series or not, but it might have happened – prior to this but i think either this episode or the next one they specifically come out and say it in the in yeah the, they're uh, definitely ads. um yeah um well, i think they have said it earlier but there is a letter like the there's a letter from uh, blair lafferty of mm-hmm. wisada minnesota which is i actually know where that is as awesome. well but it's cool it's like it's like out um it's like about as far out as you go as to be kind of vaguely in the Twin Cities metro area. Like it's like you just go about like as far west as and then like basically after that, it's sort of there are no big cities after that. And okay. it's like but go, yeah, go, it, going on that road. But but he's, but then there's a thing that says he's like he want he wants or he or she I don't actually know, uh, but says that it's you know it's so so excited and. Um, hopes that it it will last a long time, and he, they basically say, um, "Nope, sorry, um, it's going to be a maxi series." Though it says, "As you no doubt know by now," which I'm assuming means that it was mentioned somewhere before. Okay, well, and I'm I am kind of glad because it, a lot of times the problem with comic books is with an ongoing narrative you don't get a conclusion to the story or you can't get a conclusion to the story. So you're constantly stuck in this, in the second act thing where you're constantly trying to get things going, get things going. And at least with us one, we will have a resolution to it. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I think that's we'll something that they've resolution. done. They've done better. Like, re- I mean, recently, like even if you don't necessarily like the whole, you know, written for trade or, or, or just like the, longer storylines or that kind of thing I, I think that they do do a better job of like you know at least giving closure to the plots that are in the story instead of like you know sort of keep going on with something for a, a very long time mm-hmm. even though that can, that can be good too i really do like oh i guess i was mentioning earlier that uh, the uh, letter that i really liked in this thing is this um that uh yeah this is a letter this is the first le- the first letter which is is from Steve Lothar of Cleveland in the or, or of, of Middlesbrough in Cleveland in the UK and this is which I this is, I approach you as one with apprehension the whole idea of a series about a trucker filled me with something less than enthusiasm I'll check out issue one to see how awful it is I told myself okay so I was a little narrow minded. I've just eagerly read issue two, and I'm looking forward to the next one. US one isn't high art, but who cares? It's fun. It's entertaining, containing some very funny dialogue and some equally eerie goings on. The two moods complement one another perfectly, the one serving to accentuate the other. Oh, sir, sure, certain parts are so corny, I couldn't stop myself from laughing out loud. The CP skull cap and the cavity fillings alternating shortwave channels when touched 
for instance. But after the grim, violent worlds of Daredevil, Moon Knight, and their ilk, something like this is sheer pleasure to read. Thanks for trying it out, guys. Which, I don't know, I guess I think really sort of sums up my feelings, I think, about the whole thing. I'll it's, give you that. Uh, it's That's one of the reasons why I'm glad that I took on you know covering this stuff, because far too often, especially in modern-day comics, the, the fun and the good-natured feelings of comics from what I consider to be the yesteryear of time or the olden times have kind of gotten into this more not adult but you know just well no I guess adult would be the way to explain it it's not mature it's not intelligent it's just sometimes violence for violence sake and I'm glad that we have a book here that is embracing is embracing fun and uh Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that people are actually seeing that in this, and despite the some of the more wacky or goofy elements of it, are enjoying the fun parts of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next page is the Olympic prizes for cash thing with the uh, creepy Captain O standing behind the kids, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm certain you know what's his name from dateline nbc is going to be coming in on in any minute now but we covered oh this yeah before. especially since one of the prizes is a huggable monkey puppet i don't even want to know what that we'll skip Ugh. that and move on to the back inside page which is an ad for the burger time home video game mm-hmm. now i don't know did you ever play burger time do you know anything about this you know that's interesting is that i, I mean like because i don't guess my, my dad was certainly very much uh into like you know the old classic era of arcade games and stuff so i've played a lot of stuff you know like whether they you know maybe they come out on the game boy they come out on the on the um you know like in big collections to play on your pc or your mac or whatever and or or actually playing it in an arcade as rare as th- those are these days still um but actually no burger time is is one of the ones that i have never actually gotten around to playing that which i don't know how that, how that goes it's but. In essence, it's kind of like it's kind of like the it's kind of like the Gerger level of Donkey Kong, the original mm-hmm. Donkey Kong, where you yeah. are chased by these characters and you walk across certain things. And in Donkey Kong, you undo these plugs, which you're supposed to do, which will allow Donkey Kong to fall and you'll win mm-hmm. that level. Yeah. On this one, you're running over various levels of a burger and you try and get these hot dogs and pickles and fried eggs to follow you over there and when it drops that kills those villains who are following you it was a very simplistic platforming game but uh, that is a weird weird concept like i'm just trying to like wrap my head around that like the whole wow that's (laughs) you know a plumber that that jumps over barrels and saves a monkey from or saves a girl from a giant ape well i guess that's not that weird a concept i guess a plumber that jumps up and knocks over turtles and eats mushrooms to grow bigger you know that's not weird either yeah no i mean i'm not saying it's it's less I mean, if those are less weird necessarily, it's just yeah. like, you know, it's something I haven't really been exposed to. Well, and you could get used to like weird, weird stuff like that. Unfortunately, I don't think it really translated. It didn't really catch on the way that certain other games, certain other games like uh, compared the back cover, which we covered before the Tutankham, which, you know, 
Yeah. It's got a television format coming soon. Oh, boy. Yes. So you can get, you know, maybe double the graphics uh, capability, which yeah. And apparently much. it's Parker Brothers, which is interesting. You could think of back back in that time where 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 people were, uh, you know, uh, the various game, game uh, board game companies were getting into making stuff like that or uh, other kinds of things. Like, because I mean, Nintendo itself started as as a, a playing card company, I think, which mm-hmm. is kind of uh, you know, things. I, I don't think it's really uncommon for Parker Brothers because I think Parker Brothers released at, at least one of the Star Wars games for the Atari. Mm-hmm. So really? uh, I think Parker Brothers it, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, Nintendo. Uh, well, it was like Nintendo in that it you know had both board games and you know video games. But I don't think it was that uncommon for Parker Brothers to have uh, video games out at this time because I remember vaguely that there being more than just one Parker Brothers type video game for uh, the systems out at the time. But but that does it for uh, ads for this issue and my coverage. Uh, you got any other notes on it? Mm, nope, I think that's I think that's it. Okay, well then we will go ahead and take a little break here, plug a couple of podcasts, and when we come back, Jay is going to give us his uh, – Rendition of what's going on in US 1, number 6. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes or crossover events that can cost a hundred bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarter Bin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every Penny. December 7th. Earth 2. 1941. A world very much like our own, yet slightly different. A date which will live in infamy. A world at war. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Following the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt brought together the largest group of mystery men ever assembled to battle the Axis powers. Tales of the Justice Society of America presents The All-Star Squadron.
The Tales of the Justice Society of America, every Friday at twotruefreaks.libson.com. And we're back. All right, we'll start with um, issue number six of US1, which was uh, entitled Iron Mike, King of the Bike. Al Milgram writer, Frank Springer penciler, Mike Esposito inker, Morelli and Chang letterers, George Russo's colorist, Ralph Macchio editor, and Jim Shooter trooper. The issue begins with the third man thrown through the window of the shortstop in the series. Unlike the others, this one is actually important to the plot. His name is Phil Legreed, and he's an evil banker. Yes, that's his actual name. He wants to foreclose on the shortstop, which is behind on mortgage payments because of paying for U.S.'s hospital bills and for the outfitting of U.S. One, awesome robot truck. Annie chases Legreed out of the shortstop, but he tells her she hasn't seen the last of him. She goes to commiserate with Papa Wheelie. U.S. eavesdrops on them and feels like a heel when he realizes that he is the cause of their money trouble. True to his word, Legreed returns to the shortstop, this time with the buzz, aiming to arrest Annie for assault. She doesn't help her case by look, joking suggestively, she'll kill him. The cops try to drum up some witnesses, but of course, nobody saw anything. Arguments break out, leading to highly illegal fighting McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Lanyon, 2010, uh, as cops and truckers clash throughout the shortstop. And You Thought Warriors was a mess. U.S. spirits Annie out, along with Retread, and they go to find a job that will keep them away from the law and make some money. Retread falls out through an improperly closed door, and there was much rejoicing. U.S. and Annie have fun driving the road to peaceful Vista, Arizona, where they're supposed to drop off supplies. Everyone is hiding because they're terrified of Iron Mike and his Heaven's Devils Motorcycle Club. Yep, that's their name. Uh, vehicular McFightenstein ensues as uh, the semi-fights versus motorcycles. They put up a decent fight, but soon are taken out, save for Iron Mike. He falls to US-1 and is humiliated to realize that Annie was behind the wheel and wonders if he should have been an accountant instead, like his mother wanted. U.S. reveals that actually it was him remotely controlling the truck, and as our story concludes, we see an interlude as Annie falls under the spell of Midnight's Hypno Whip. Bum bum bum! Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That was a good ending, though. I was like, oh, wow, I did not actually see that coming. Yeah, the fact that she gets in the end, uh, that that Midnight was obviously around and watching what was going on is kind of a, it, it it's kind of neat. And now we'll have to see in the next issue what actually happens with uh, Annie as she's now hypnotized and, you know, what she's going to try and do to you know, do to us and do to maybe foil him. So we'll see what goes on with that. But, you know, I guess uh, you kind of had to have a biker crossover somewhere in the book because, you know, the whole idea of uh, a biker gang, 
you know, going against, you know, it, it's another trope of the sort of, you know, blue collar Americana type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, some of the aspects of these bikers, especially the name of their organization, just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, but again, like, like I think I, I said, is not, not like a Phil Legreed is any better. Is it That's a, that true. he has Greed in his name and then it, you know, it's like Phil Legreed, like yeah. pretty metal designs. But, like, uh, really? if you want to go through the book, uh, we'll go ahead and start off with the cover. Um, and unfortunately I think for me, this is, uh, this is even not quite as good again, coloring wise as, as the previous one. I think it's uh, out of the two, you know, books we've covered this, this is the even more bland cover than the one with the maze on it, just because it's this sort of weird orange shade. Uh, the artwork by, uh, golden's nice. Uh, us one looks particularly freaked out by, big mic on the bike but yeah yeah it's just kind of an average blah kind of cover mm-hmm. i don't know what do you think i i like the design just in general like it's it's sort of a nice there's lots of stuff going on but it's not super busy and but yeah the color is sort of it's sort of a weird combination like i wish i wish it was the orange and the kind of blue it was like like if it would pop more because you know it seems i think it's it's a good idea that yeah like you're saying the coloring i think really hurts it a lot like it just is the the cover colors are not great and it 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 doesn't i think quite uh hit hit the level it's supposed to Mm -hmm. or or that it might have if if the coloring was better well there you know i i'm hurrying back to like the the first couple of issues like one and two the the covers on that being really dynamic and mm-hmm. and these past couple of covers have been kind of kind of blah so it's not really unfortunately drawing you in to read this book which i think unfortunately probably may not have had you know as big a following as certain other books so if you're mm-hmm. seeing this on the spinner rack at the time you know it's just not drawing you in unfortunately with the covers so yeah i think i think i appreciate it like like now as I am, like I appreciate it from, from a design perspective and just like the, out of the way that the space is used, but yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, there's a gun on it, I guess, but just in general, I don't think it's something that, uh, especially a kid would be like, look at and say, I need to read this. And mm-hmm. I think that's a failing of it because that was sort of the point of the covers, you know? Yeah. And and it's so it's it's not doing its job, even if it is, in some ways, visually interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to page one, like you said, we get the third person in this book being thrown out of the window of, you know, the shortstop. I see. You wonder if, like, maybe I mean, maybe it's not just they had all these hospital bills and uh, outfitting a truck with cannons and anti-aircraft missiles and stuff, but uh, maybe they just have to keep you know paying for breaking the same window that that you know that guys keep going through i mean you know see how many times we've seen it how many times has it like happened that that it's just not important at all mm-hmm. that you know how much does that add up to i don't know how much windows cost yeah maybe, then or now actually really i have no idea that's true maybe the maybe they've lost their insurance as well on you know their uh homeowners or i guess you know whatever you'd call it insurance for the shortstop there and 
because of uh, frequent window replacement that that's why it's costing them so much money. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not the, not just the windows, just everything else. That oh yeah, has the, been the constantly interior. been thrown around and broken, and yeah, I think there's even somewhere where uh, I don't know, like. Uh, I mean, I think last issue, uh, you know, number five was one of the first ones in a while that we didn't see a bar fight yeah. go off in the in the shortstop. So. Uh, you know, I'm saying at least, and I don't know whether it happened in every issue, but I'll say at least half of the issues we've read so far has had a knockdown, dragout brawl go on in the shortstop. Yep. So there you go. Well, the and or maybe it's chairs because there's actually a, a scene during the fight where uh, one of the patrons accidentally breaks a chair over U.S.'s head, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Ow, be careful! Those chairs cost money." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the chairs are just real expensive and everyone's using them as weapons. And they're like, oh, no, not again. They just need so to buy expensive. They need to buy cheaper chairs. I, I guess so. That's 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 the whole problem. Page two. I, I again, uh, I agree with you. The name of Phil the Greed. <sighs> again, they're having fun with it, but it it's just such an obvious choice for a stereotypical name of a a bank collector or a debt collector that's just it's it's horrible i I, 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 I guess i don't feel i don't feel too bad especially not as bad as i feel about the the name heaven's heaven's devils which is just yes that was that just built up to it but I mean, yeah, I mean, because I, mean, I think even in more like more subtle ways, I think you can see that in all the way back to like the Fantastic Four, like of, of name, like Ben Grimm and, and Johnny Storm. Like, mm-hmm. the, I mean, it's it's certainly a, cer- certainly a trope of and not just in Marvel comics. I mean, oh, my gosh, there's so many. Uh, I think, yeah, there's the, a, a lot of just a lot of like uh, DC villains I'm thinking of, especially that it just have like super duper on the nose names that are just like, you know, that really, really that's I mean, like with a name like that, you have to be a super villain. It's mm-hmm. required. I don't know. I wonder if him, if he's going to come, come back though, or if he's, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll become, you know, some sort of terrible, terrible villain as well. Besides yeah. that. I mean, I mean, he's pretty, he's obviously a villain anyway, but just like whether he's actually going to be like, uh, I don't know, driving a truck or something. Who knows? Maybe he's the highwayman. Uh, you never know. Yeah, there's another there's another good thing in mind to know, Bryce. I am glad, though, however, after listening in on the next page, I guess page three, U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. listening in to Papa Wheelie and Wide Loads talk about you know how they're so financially strapped that he feels bad for all the things that he's you know kind of put them through. That you know, and also maybe that's why. You know, he hasn't replaced the uh, bloody bandage on his head either because, you know, he just they just didn't have the money to get that replaced. So he's just been wearing that all the time. Yeah, I don't know. So I got to say, yeah, when Annie comes out and is attacking the banker like that is just wow, that is pretty impressive. And she's like, like, I warned you to mind your manners. And, and, you know, and he's like, I'll, I'll sue you for assault and battery. And she's like, what's that? Good idea. I ought to assault you with a battery. <laughs> I mean, like, that is just some, that is just some fun, quippy stuff that it, it is like, uh, you know, some of the, some of the jokes that have, we've seen in previous issues are just, 
painful, painful, painful. But like, but but that that actually I kind of like the, you know, just like mind your manners and I'll assault you with a battery. Like that just. I think um, I, I think they're getting the the character of Widelow and Annie a, a lot more of the comedy in the book. You know, even though you know sometimes it's naive comedy, like the eating vegetables, the best thing to do with a cracked skull. Mm-hmm. You know, but at least here she's getting a a bit more quippage that's a bit more fun. Mm-hmm. And and then on on page three, definitely like there is, I mean, there's just so much in that page, just as far as the dialogue goes. Like it's it's really, I mean, I got, I don't uh, really real. Like that's uh, and I sound stupid when I say that, but I mean, like it it, it really does give a nice. Um, there's a lot more, you know, levels to the characters and it's establishing like some really, you know, complex and hard to deal with real world problems. Like, and, and even Papa Wheelie comes off pretty good. Like he's just, you know, you, you feel, you feel sorry for him. Cause he's like, you know, like we, like we feel so bad and it's, you know, that, um, you know, I, you know, he's been so intent on finding the highwayman and like he hasn't been, hasn't been doing any actual hauling jobs. So we have no money, which we, we, and he's like, you know, he he understands why us is on this quest to get the highwayman, but he's also like, I'm afraid this is going to bankrupt us. And like, that is, you know, makes him seem, uh, I guess, more of a likable character. And you're like, Mm -hmm. it can feel things. And especially way us is, is reacting where, he's um you know you just uh you know he's 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 just getting really angry and like losing it because he knows that i mean maybe it's not all his fault but it's pretty much mostly his fault you know i mean or not not his fault he feels responsible because actually it's not really it's not his fault he got attacked by a crazy devil trucker and things like that. But he, I mean, it's all his problems that are, you know, coming down on his like kind of parental figures. And, you know, he feels so bad about it. And that's, and actually even retread comes, um, you know, where he's like, you know, saying that, um, that, you know, he doesn't, you know, you don't want them to know you that they, that they overheard, which is, like kind of a real a real thing too, is where it's it's kind of where, where where you know you feel you feel bad for someone and like you've you've heard something that you shouldn't hear and you know things that you shouldn't know and you and you you want to help you want to be there but they won't necessarily take it and mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's really you know well it's 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 better storytelling than you would expect coming out of this. I mean, it's actual, you know, problems that I'm certain a lot of people at this time were feeling and that they're able to convey it in this sort of out there book, you know, uh, kind of says something for the writing at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have anything until page five, which is just another complaint about retread. Do you have mm-hmm. anything on um, I will say, I will say on page on page four. Yeah, I think I don't know what's going on though in the in the last panel because, you know, we were saying that he was uh, from from Michigan mm-hmm. uh, apparently, and um, yeah, my grandpa went to the University of Michigan, and you know that's 
It was. The... I've, I, I've I've seen lots, and like they're not, that those aren't those aren't Michigan colors, and also it has a big S on it, so yeah, I don't know I'm what wondering... that. Wouldn't it be W? Like, aren't they the Wolverines or something? I can't. Um, they are. But usually, the what the stuff I they have they usually have an M. Just okay from, from Michigan. Like, there's a, a blue and Still. yellow M. But yeah, so like I'm like, so where is he exactly? I don't know. I, who knows? But anyway, so all right, we're gonna just next page. Yeah, yeah, the the next page. You know, we get another another job that uh, Retread used to be. Is he in U.S. are going to you know, right the wrongs of what's going on. And U.S. says, just like the old days, Jeff, with Jeff, not getting short of breath, are you? And Retread is obviously getting short of breath, saying, heck no, used to be a marathon runner. Never very good at it, though. Yeah, because you're a lying sack of crap. <laughs> you never ran a marathon in your life. You Just shut up, Retread. Okay, I, I will be, to, to be fair, though, he is, he is, um, you know, this is not endurance running like a marathon. This, they're sprinting. But, yeah, I don't believe him for a second all the same. Yeah. It's a nice panel, though, at the bottom there with the, I, I like that, with the police. And then you can, you know, you can tell where they are because there's, like, the little shortstop sign. I think it's got a nice little composition there. Yeah. And then you see them running in. It's, it's quite nice. Yeah, of course, on the next page, you know, Annie just happens to to threaten to murder a person yeah. with the entirety of, of what this little town's police force there, you would think. I mean, they've got, uh, I've seen at least... She's like threateningly holding like a giant wrench that you could easily kill somebody with. Mm-hmm. No problem. And then, of course, you know, all the patrons are doing the whole, you know, I am Spartacus thing where they're not, they're not going to rat out on Annie, which is nice. But then it's of kind course, of a, it's kind of a trope, I think, of, of a lot of like movies that are set in the South, like whether it's like, in, uh, you know, just like where they're like dealing with like racism or something like where it's like, oh, all the people are super racist. So they're going to, you know, say they didn't see something that they, they did see so that, you know, something horrible will happen or or even or even like this, where it's actually they're doing something presumably good. Like that, it's definitely it's a one of those tropes that comes up a lot. I think in, mm-hmm. in these kinds of stories where that you know they're just like uh, of communities coming together for good or ill just because like they're a community, I guess. Yeah, but uh, sadly the uh, it goes from just you know quietly defending you know mm-hmm. her, her her statement to assaulting every officer in the local police force. Mm-hmm. Which is not bright in any way, shape, or form. Because I don't know if you know this. I I, I, I don't police know. Police officers yeah. have guns. You they know? do. And, and also, um, even if they don't use the guns, I mean, there's so many felonies are being committed on like these two pages where this fight is going on. Like they're, you know, just regular assault. You know, assaulting an officer. Assault. I mean, like there's. This is the kind of thing I don't I don't know how it is for rural police officers compared to uh, like police officers in a city, but uh, generally the police do not take kindly to you assaulting their uh, you know their their comrades like mm-hmm. and like you know just like you know or or killing them. I mean, obviously nobody gets killed, but like yeah. you know what they say about what happens to cop killers and it's not nice. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, but at least they kind of explained it on the next page that. Because of uh, 
all the confusion and this just breaking out, they weren't the police officers weren't able to go for their guns and put a stop mm-hmm. to this. So yeah. that's that's nice that they put that in to make sure that mm-hmm. we know that no one has gotten shot during this mm-hmm. altercation. Yeah. And then, of course, also, um, and then they're going to commit another felony because, well, I mean, I guess we don't find that out necessarily until later on. But they're 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 uh, leaving to uh, cross state lines and which I usually I don't know. They don't they don't look very kindly on that. Like if you're suspected of a crime and you uh, leave the state or the city that you're in uh, because. It's you know yeah you're 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 what is it uh you know avoiding you know fleeing fleeing fugitive of justice or fugitive Uh, yeah that makes sense so something like yeah they're not really adding to their case of them being you know innocent or anything of course you know you have to and and of course and 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 she's completely guilty too I mean like I like White Lone but she totally beat the crap out of that guy and threw him out the window like. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, even if I think that he's a scumbag and maybe deserved it, um, that doesn't make what she did less illegal. Mm-hmm. And even on that next page, she she intentionally slams on the accelerator and tries to run down yeah. know, Phil LeGreed himself. So she's trying not only, you know, assault or assault with a deadly weapon, but she's also, you know, got attempted vehicular manslaughter here. So. Yeah. She's just racking up the charges. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and she uh, actually, there's another actually not bad retread moment, even though thankfully he's not even going to be in the issue very much anymore. But when he, cause he falls out and then he's like lying there next to the, um, ne- next to Phil agreed. And, uh, you know, he's like, that woman tried to kill me. Did you see? She tried to kill me. And retreads like, Yep, don't know how she missed. Must be losing her touch, which is <laughs> it is actually a funny joke. Apparent, unlike some of the other jokes that have been in this series that are not funny at all and annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Moving to the next page, um, I really don't have any comments except for, you know, this was kind of subtly placed in that uh, fourth panel there. As you mm-hmm. look at Jobber, who I guess is the no, who looks some, kind, some of, kind of some kind of dispatcher in prison, I guess mm-hmm. he's got a sort of he's got a sort of Jimmy Olsen type look in that fifth panel with the red hair, except for the cigarette in there. But uh, on that fourth panel, looking at the uh, calendar behind him, that's a pretty risque calendar. I mean, that's that's more than a pinup calendar there. That looks like that the girl on that is you know engaged in something that probably wouldn't pass comics code i don't know like i mean i i thought it just looked like she was just like you know bending over in a sexy pose i only i mean i guess they're i mean yeah for all i know she could be naked it's you can't really tell since it's just like a white silhouette yeah it 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 does look kind of weird yeah oh actually you see it looks yeah it looks i mean a little bit different on that that next that that fourth panel it looks like you know it looks like a bit of reverse cowboy going on yeah, yeah. Well, okay I don't, see, I don't see a dude there so i'm i'm assuming i'll, I'll just uh we'll just, not think about not think we'll about just, it i we'll guess. just leave it leave it up to the the reader's imagination <laughs> moving on to the next page page 10 i i really am enjoying the character of us and yeah the whole premise of him being a truck driving hero with a cb receiver in his head is completely and totally out there but i like the I like at the heart of the book that he's a really good kid who's feeling guilty 
-hmm. for letting his adopted parents spend so much money on this quest for him to try and track down the killer or assumed killer of his brother. Mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that he feels guilty about this and that he, at his heart, is a person who wants to do the right thing. So as out there as this book is, at least he is a a noble and good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I do come, keep coming back to uh, to Spider Man in some ways. Like, yeah, he is really like the like he's kind of oblivious, but then when he realizes that he's done something wrong and uh, or, or that you know what he's doing is hurting someone else, he complete guilt trip and just you know goes does what he can to to make it right mm-hmm. even if normally he wouldn't care but you know then he's like oh wow i, I you know I, I messed up and i need to make make things good mm-hmm. uh next page uh, the only thing i have on it is uh why in the heck is the barbaro man up here on the uh, vista overlooking us one but you know Maybe yeah, I was wondering about that. Sense. I was, I was thinking. I wonder. I mean, because I don't know. He's just like all this, like this shadowy dude on a horse, and I'm like, I'm wondering. I don't know. Is that supposed to be like the highwaymen watching them? I have because no I idea. think that would be really interesting if that's what it was. I, I, you, I don't know if people that do that that much. I mean, like in the 80s, where there were like lots of people riding horses and like you know washing stuff for mesas. I don't know. And also there's a nice thing where they have, they come, they're coming up to peaceful Vista and there's a road sign and you can kind of tell that, um, it's, it's slightly blocked by the thing, but, um, there's a, a sign for the next town in 26 miles, which is, uh, uh, Morglim, which is, uh, which is Milgram spelled backwards. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, uh, the, the next one is Harris maybe. And I don't know if that'd be. Uh, Bob Harris, but I don't know whether he's... Well, his, he his, his name is spelled H-A-R-R-A-S, and that's not how that is on the okay. sign, and I don't know if he was... Work, I mean, I don't know. He's certainly not working on this book, so I yeah. don't know what it what that is about. Okay, but yeah, I, that is that is pretty much Milgram backwards there, so yeah, yeah. good catch. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just what, if Milgram's wife's maiden name or something. Who knows? It could be. The next note I have, or for the next couple of pages... Uh, Especially on, I guess, page twelve, where they get into the town of Peaceful Vista, on that uh, that one page where you've got the characters in that uh, very last panel. I guess the seventh panel in there. There's a lot of Kirby influence here on these pages, mm-hmm. especially with the faces of the uh, people as they scatter as the biker gang comes in, mm-hmm. and, and just the the pure kinetic energy of all of it. Just like you can just feel the like bikers rolling through and the people running away and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, like it's very well on the panel of the bikers themselves that they come in in that sort of, uh, you know, V shaped formation with, I guess, big bike in the front and the, the, the look of the hands is very Kirby esque there. So mm-hmm. it's Springer doing a good job of, uh, homaging Kirby on these panels. Especially oh yeah. I mean, the... I think both in these, both of these, issues, I mean like, yeah, there's still some, there's still some missteps, but I think, I mean, we've been kind of harder on Springer than maybe we were on Trimby, but I think um, at this point, uh, Springer is really coming into his own, and there's just some, mm-hmm. just throughout, there are some great, great panels. And just oh, yeah. uh, nice. There is an interesting thing, though, like in, in that panel you're talking about with all the bikers coming in in a V, is interesting that there's like um, 
like the most uh, useless caption is like, you know, these guys like scary guys coming out of nowhere. And then there's like this caption is saying like, they're the baddest, meanest bikers us has ever seen. And we're like, yeah, yeah, no, I, and like, these guys do not look nice. And it's like, really? I don't understand. I mean, like, you did can't you really need to that say that? The, the, pan- the panel says it plenty fine. You don't need to put it there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, uh, maybe that's just, you know, Milgram, you know, making sure that the artwork, you know, did its job, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing is you kind of, uh, it is kind of a, you just have to feel it out because you don't necessarily know how the audience will respond to it, I guess, in some ways. Like, I mean, you definitely see that in, uh, you know, again, with, with, with Stan Lee sometimes, like where um, you, you look at a, a uh, some dialogue or uh, or narration narration boxes okay, yeah but narration mm-hmm. boxes over it and that, that just don't make any they don't need to be there sometimes because you're just like, why I mean which I think is one of those things that does happen when you're working in that that method with uh, um, you know script you you script over the finished art where sometimes um, if, if you're working together really good with your artists you can you know it'll it'll feel right and it'll it'll you know it'll gel together really nice because you get to um add things where you need them and take things away when you don't need it but sometimes uh writers just don't understand when they need to pull back and Mm -hmm. can be kind of annoying anyway that's i'm sorry that was kind of a long uh next page uh we get big mike and man is he drawn to be just a goon? He is an ugly looking son. Yeah, and he's got, you know, he's got that chip sort of buck tooth type looking thing. And, of course, his, the goofy name of the the motorcycle club, the Heaven's Devils. Okay, we get it. You're not trying to associate your name with the Hell's Angels, but this is just ridiculous well and also i mean like because honestly those dudes are scary like i mean i mean it's not quite uh you know kirby and simon working on captain america and getting you know threatened by pro-german people you know before before the war started and stuff it's not quite that but you know still you don't necessarily want to get the hell's angels mad because those guys are you know Mm -hmm. i mean i mean they're i mean they're basically like you know can in some cases at least as far as i know it's like an on you know organized crime and like they can you know they run run drugs and stuff and like that that sort of thing and yeah it's and i guess it's probably why they always you know call called the the crime syndicate the magia instead of the mafia they're they're just like kind of kind of being weenies i guess they yeah. just don't they don't, they don't want to get in trouble it but seriously be, that's but... a dumb 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 name i, I agree but <laughs> After that, it just turns into, you know, it turns into your typical bike race and your typical attack of the motorcyclist. Um, there was some good dyn- dynamism dynamism in the panels. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the frantic artwork in here. Uh, I'll, I'll give credit to Springer. He's His artwork is improving in this book, but uh, I really don't have any real specific notes uh, up until the end. Do you have anything you want to touch on in here? I guess I, there's one thing, um, at least um, there. I like when when he, you know, 
U.S. hauls off and slugs Big Mike in the face, and then it's like, and then he's, you know, flipping out because he hurt his hand. I'm wondering, like, does he have a metal skull too? I don't know. But um, and then also, but yeah, U.S. is just like going, oh, ouch, ouch, oh, ouch, and then and then there's like a little editor's note that's like freely translated. This means my, but that certainly smarts. <laughs> just interesting uh, thanks ralph yeah, but yeah there's a lot of a lot of i mean wow i mean I, I yeah the art i think is really taking a step up there's some really nice stuff like there's like the, there's a panel where he's like looking into the rear view mirror and then there's like the you know it's the um bikers following them with you know smoke and the and then them like barreling through them sending them like flying off it's wow it's it is really really quite amazing it's a, a lot it's of, a lot it's a lot of frantic art and it's a lot of you know we keep we keep harping back to the sort of kirby-esque feel and the sort of you know energetic feeling of kirby and springer is definitely channeling it through the this last third of the book mm-hmm. oh i love it. and there's there's yeah next page there's like uh he he, where he does like a sharp turn and you know all the all the bikers that are following him like ram into the side of the truck and go flying and it's it's it's, it's pretty great pretty good pretty and cool. then and then there's like a part where they get out of the truck and then uh Annie and US are like beating the people with stuff like i think uh, i mean Annie's got a wrench i don't know what Annie's US still has. got the same wrench he, it yeah, looks like US you, has a billy club or something yeah or maybe like some sort of like i don't know like a pin or something like for a, you know, some sort of like, it's, I mean, it's, it's too, um, maybe it's like a motorcycle axle or something like mm. it's, I mean, like it just looks, it's a very, very, looks kind of metal and it's sort of, sort of cylindrical, but it's, I mean, it's very basic. It looks like something you just grabbed up out of there. And I guess, you know, there, who knows? Mm. It's hard to tell. No, oh, so much good stuff. Though. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's I, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to like really go into it too. Some of it because it's just like to just say, oh yeah, that was really awesome. That was oh, and that was also really awesome. Well, and there's like I said, the artwork has really improved over the past couple issues, and Springer is coming into his own and getting, I guess, getting sort of the feel for the book. And I guess it's kind of sad that it's only going to go to twelve issues and. You know, if Springer could have kept it up because it has definitely improved. Mm-hmm. There's a nice, a nice. Uh, I think probably one of my favorite bits in the in the fight uh, against the motorcycles is there's an, actually the after the part I was saying that he does he does a thing again where they well, he comes around a corner and they they ram into the truck and then it's a snap crackle and pop mm-hmm. or the sound effects which I I enjoyed. I mean, like I don't that, that, maybe that was a nice. Pop. That was a oh, nice visual fun. pun. Yeah. But uh, I don't have really uh, any notes until the end where we get the reveal that Midnight you know, was hanging around. And, mm. of course, before that, U.S. has to ask the big bike whether or not he's uh, connected to the Highwaymen or has any knowledge of the Highwaymen. So, uh, you know, Big Mike says that he doesn't. So there's, I guess, no correlation between you know, him and the highwaymen. So he was just doing this because, you know, he was uh, heaven's devil or whatever and was wanting to be a jerk. But uh, we get the reveal that Midnight's around and, you know, she's hypnotized White Load Annie and we'll have to see, you know, 
what comes of that. So. Oh, oh, there's another. I didn't think because when I was you didn't even see it in here, but um, there's another uh, argument for why uh, why Taryn is not Midnight is well, she drives a truck and Midnight drives a motorcycle, so hmm. obviously couldn't be the same person. Nobody can drive both of those things, right? Right? Okay, I'll, fine. I'll I, okay, it's it's a pretty flimsy <laughs> premise, I will admit, but yeah. I, I thought of it and it made me feel smart. <laughs> um, but no. Um, if I do love the way that he looks at the end, though, Big Mike. It's like, I mean, because he's always he's had the helmet on the whole time, and then when he takes it off, and you can see he's got, you know, he just looks so old, and he's got, I mean, he's he's got like this horrible horrible comb over that mm-hmm. is like does not even it's like only across the front of his head and like the whole rest of it is just like just balding and he looks so pathetic and well, it's, I think, it's I really think, almost a little sad i think in some ways even though i don't i don't I, feel super bad for him because he's basically you know held this entire whole town hostage under his iron fist or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah well, it kind of it shows that he really wasn't in essence all that not really incredible a threat, but you know, it, it, he wasn't this sort of maniacal person that you kind of let him out to be. He was just this old man. So it, it, it definitely accentuates the defeat of him by the fact that he's drawn now to look like this sort of pathetic human. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, I mean, in, in essence, it, it, at the very base of it, he's just, he's just a bully. He's just a, a grown up, you know, douche that just like, you know, you know, probably he, he, you know, smacked around kids in, in elementary school and in high school uh-huh. and everything. And now he's, you know, smacking around a whole town. But like when he actually gets faced with any real resistance by anyone who can stand up to him and he suddenly he folds like a house of cards, mm-hmm. which I think is a nice, I mean, I guess it's a nice sort of message. Even I mean, that's, that's definitely a, a pretty, a somewhat subtextual thing, which is and a su- subtle thing, which is kind of nice in a book that very rarely is in any way subtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at ads. Uh, again, front inside cover is the same Cracker Jack ad. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing if I'm going to try and look through, see if we have any real change and month to month. It's, it's weird because you know, in the comics I'm reading currently month to month, there'll be big changes in ads, but the first two ads so far are the same ones that we had in the last issue, you know, uh, Cracker Jacks and Star Frontiers. And then there's the Bubble Yum ad, which is the same one that we've had from before. Mm-hmm. And then um, even though it's not, we have the double page spread with uh, gorgeous Herb Trimpey art of, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, of Duke and Cobra Commander um, for the G.I. Joe video game, which mm-hmm. I don't, I think that was like in, it was not in last issue, and it wasn't. I don't think it was yeah. in the issue before. I think it, was, I think it might I think have been like in issue three. three. Yeah, so. because I remember covering this, and yeah, that that is some beautiful artwork. In the yeah, but it, and then there's you know uh, Margaret, the same subscription ad. It's very um, yeah. I guess maybe it's just because it's not um, there's not as much um, like advertisement. It's super on the needing to be on. I guess that's that is they're only advertising it for a short time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like I think probably with a lot of stuff you're reading, it's when they've, when they've come to the point where, well, there's video games, but there's like video games that were, I mean, already, already coming out at, at this, at this point. But 
um, it was at a time where they were there were more and more coming out, and they were you know coming coming out more more frequently, and and then there's you know um, and there was a lot of stuff like movies and stuff, which there are no no ads for movies in no. this, which and there's a lot of them in like '90s comics, and and that those things are things probably that would would turn over more often, I yeah. would think, because usually they don't you know they would probably only stay in the theater for a couple of months or if that, and then they would just, you know, say, uh, so they would probably only advertise it for like one month or two months. They would... The bullpen, bullpen bulletins has got a uh, weird sort of caricature drawing of Carl Potts with the uh, word balloons over him saying, hi, Car- hi, I'm Carl Potts who crazy glued my elbow to the desk as he sits yeah. there waving. And, uh, the hype box hypes up Avengers uh, 236, Cloak and Dagger number one, and New Mutants number eight. Is that? Mm-hmm. So. It's the, uh, yeah, it looks like maybe it's the introduction of Nova Roma, I think, even though they don't actually say it. But I think that it sounds like that's oh, cool. a story. I don't know. Um, so they go to, yeah, civil, Lost Civilization deep in the heart of the Amazon jungle, which I, I believe that sounds right anyway. Cool. Uh, next page has the ad for the uh, Kool-Aid Man video game, and you, you actually get kind of a look at what the game might be like. Uh, it's a... Oh, it's, man, there's some awful graphics, though. <laughs> well, this is a tar... Well, no, actually, this is the Intellivision, because they've got the kids on the Intellivision controllers here. Oh, yes, yeah, so I can actually see... I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, That's what they look like. I didn't, I didn't even notice that, yeah. Disc instead of the joysticks. That is yeah. a weird looking... And it's got, like, a telephone... Yeah, it's got cord. a. It's, that's weird. It's a telephone cord that's plugged into the game system. It's they were but bizarre. Like it's weird. I mean, like it's not like control. you know. I mean, but the, the it it just the graphics that they're they're showing on the screen just look really bad. Like it's not even like you know. It, yes, there are things that will happen because there are limits to how um, high resolution and how um, many colors they can use and that kind of thing. But like, I mean, it's just like it's there's like the Kool-Aid man breaking through the wall and it's just like, it's just drawn terribly. Like, I mean, it looks, looks like misshapen and weird. And like, mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with, um, you know, you could easily have done something better in pixels than that. And it was in, in, in that, that resolution. We, just we weird. just accepted it for what it was <laughs> at the time. You know, we just dealt with it. Mm. Uh, the next ad they've got is for, uh, I guess, MPC model kits, and they've got they've got a variety of them. It looks like they've got a uh, a Hoth battle one. I see back in the back. They've got a lot for ships and helicopters and various planes and cars. But there's like a di- I see a dinosaur there's and there's dinosaur like back what looks there. like an old, like the old like steam powered fire engine I think mm-hmm. on the on the left side, and they've got like a um, yeah, a bunch of battleships and like a old old time like tall ship with uh, sails and stuff. Which yeah, a couple of, like a like a larger, you know, propeller bomber plane as well. So some neat stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next ad uh, back inside cover is the Advanced Dungeon Dragons ad. The really nice sort of artwork with the the mm-hmm. ranger or the archer or whatever walking across this stone arched bridge and being attacked by this weird looking dragon. For the mm-hmm. uh, Intellivision system covered that, mm-hmm. and then outside the back cover we get uh, the Burger Time game. Uh, but this time uh, the it looks like we get an actual 
look at the gameplay of it. So you can kind of get a better mm-hmm. idea of what it looks like. Because in the other one, it was just all colored one color. And you yeah, see it's the, weird because I like, guess it's full color in this. And then, uh, but I mean, it's not like the. I don't think the other ad was. The other ad was not. Um, no, it was all just. It was all just one color. This one you well, see. No, I mean, the, like, but it's. Ex- I mean, but that's only the screen though, which is interesting because, like, I mean, the whole rest of it. It's not like they didn't have the colors or mm-hmm. something like. It's like some of those pages that are like in just black and white or whatever. No, it was. I mean, the whole, um, like, uh, illustration of the guy running in the various, various uh, enemies or whatever. Um, they're all in color, and so I wonder why they didn't do it on the first time. Maybe they just got just a terrible response to whatever they did it the first time, I guess. I don't know. No idea. But, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's the ads for it. Uh, uh, oddly enough, this one was available not only for the Intellivision and 2600, but for the uh, burgeoning new Apple II computer or the IBM personal computer. So you could have played this on your on your really, really slow computer at the time, I guess. So if you had tons of money, you could have played it on a computer that probably is dwarfed by your average iPhone right now. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, it's not like they were, they weren't that slow. I don't think, I mean, I remember you get the, I don't, I don't know. I forget what exactly they would have had at this time, but you know, I remember they had like the Apple IIe's and stuff and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, which are which are actually you know not not too bad running. You know, they're old and clunky, but you know they could run. I would imagine they'd have too much trouble running a arcade game. I mean, no. they can't. They can't. They can't like run. I don't know whatever's <laughs> the new new big whatever. I mean, you can't can't. Uh, you're not, not going to be proce- playing. Not enough processing power to play. I mean, to even play like Doom or something. But yeah, you're I not going to be playing Call of Duty D time soon. No, 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 no. But that does it for these issues. Uh, yeah. Not bad so far. I mean, there are some wonky, goofy bits, but the art is improving. They know what they're they know what they're doing now. The story they know what the story is about, and it looks like they're headed towards a definitive ending now. So. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We've got a, uh, we're at the halfway point, and uh, I'm I'm not wanting to throw the book against the wall and you know set it on fire yet. So I think yeah. this has so far been pretty good. Yeah, I feel it's interesting. We'll see, because I mean, I, I it, it's oh, I mean, like these issues are, I mean, not not that the other issues were bad, but these ones, especially number six, just feels so much better than this. I mean, just. There's, I mean, the the characters seem so much more fleshed out, and there's just so many more like levels of things going on in the story, and like I, I just hope that it doesn't, it, you know, yeah. kind of uh, screech to a halt at the end or something, you know. To, well, uh, well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> we we definitely will. We will be back here probably in another couple of months with uh, another episode of just one of them there guys. So until then, folks, uh, we'll see you on down the highway. Yeah. I need to yeah. come up with an end for that. Ten, 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 four, good, buddy? <laughs> that works, too. You've been listening to Just One of Them, Their Guys, a US1 podcast, hosted by Sean Engel and Jay Ferguson. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely to show everyone how cool it is to sit for long periods of time in the cab of an 18-wheeler while listening to an ever-changing radio station and popping no-dos like M&M's. All feedback to the show can be sent to the sister side of the show at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find the RSS feed for the show at the new Two True Freaks website, 
located at twotruefreaks.com. You can also go to the Just One of the Guys section, and you'll find episodes there. The show is also on iTunes under the Just One of the Guys banner, as well as the all-new Two True Freaks number two. Go there, and be sure to leave a review. You can also reach me on Citizens Band Channel 19 if you're traveling to the great state of Oklahoma. Just give a shout-out for Wide Load Shawnee, and I'll chat the night away with you. However, you still won't find me on Facebook. Sorry, folks. But that's it for this time. Come back again next time for another episode of Just One of Them There Guys, a US One podcast. I'm westbound, just watch old bandit run.